Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. It's the 29th day of January. I'm Paul, and we are in Mark chapter 2. Today and tomorrow, we're going to try to give you a good overview of the story of Jesus healing the paralytic man, not only healing him, but forgiving him of his sins. And that's a very crucial part to this story. I say an overview because I want to remind you that the essay edition for January is coming up on the 31st. That's two days away. The essay edition is going to deal with Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, the entire story. It's going to deal with it in pretty good detail. So I'm going to let it do that. And in the meantime, we're going to read through the story over the next couple of days and give some points, some things to think about in anticipation of that essay. Let's begin in verse 3. We read the first two verses yesterday, and we now have put Jesus into the center of the room in Capernaum. He's preaching the word. Verse 3 says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four. And the word men is an addition to the text, so uh, we are going to assume it's four men uh, based upon that addition, but really doesn't matter if it's four men or not, but they are car- he's carried by four people. We'll assume four friends, four family members. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. This isn't as drastic as it sounds like today. If you were to tear a hole through someone's roof today, you would need some equipment, first of all. You couldn't just you know, reach up, grab some shingles, and toss them out in the yard. Next thing you know, you're in the living room. This would be a demolition job into the way we build houses. The way they build houses, built houses, not so much. In fact, it might be that they didn't actually tear any structure away. Um, there could have been a covering over the room that Jesus was in, And they just simply removed the covering and then lowered the paralytic man down into the room. Um, It was certainly um, not the way to enter a home. That's the most important part of the story in regards to the tearing away of the roof. But it's also not quite what it sounds like in our world where things are, the construction is much, much different. In either case, they do this because they can't get through the front door and they are so desperate to get this paralytic friend of theirs into the room that they remove the roof. The the word there is they uncovered the roof. That's why we assume they didn't actually tear anything up. They just uncovered whatever was covering this opening in the room. When Jesus, this verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And this is where the story, as bizarre as it already is, or at least as intriguing with them taking the, the roof off, This is where it really takes a turn. He doesn't see the paralytic man's faith. He sees their faith. And sometimes in life, you don't bring all the faith that you might need into the situation. You're full of doubts, confusions, fears, anxieties, the unknown. You might not believe today the way you believed yesterday. If we're all being honest, our faith sometimes rides a roller coaster. And it's closely attached to our emotions. It's also closely attached to the output of our life. Like, for instance, if things are are going really well, faith comes easy. There's no problems. Um, I, I'm up emotionally. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. Oh, I believe God for great things. 
It's when things get rough that sometimes faith takes a back seat or it's hard to find or it's, it's not as quantifiable. Uh, it's not as solid. And if we were saved when we feel good about our faith and lost when we feel bad about our faith, we'd be saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost. Learning that faith isn't dependent on our emotions is one thing, but also learning that perfect faith isn't necessary is another thing. There's also an indication through the fact that this story is so strong and so popular that Jesus is showing us that he doesn't need us to have faith. Sometimes the faith of the people around us will work. And I think Paul might reference this when he talks about um, staying with an unbelieving spouse because your faith might, you, you might be their salvation. You might sanctify them. You don't know what you, your faith and your belief is doing to the world around you simply because you're there. That job that you have, the school that you attend, the marriage that you're in, the club you're a part of, the team you belong to, they are all affected by having you there. Now, it's easy to see when it's a negative effect. There's, we call that a cancer. This guy's a cancer. And what do you do with cancers? You remove them. And so we do everything we can to kick that guy off the team, get that guy out of the, lo- of the job. But uh, sometimes we don't all look at ourselves as having a positive impact because we try to quantify it with bottom lines and wins. But the truth is, is that we make a difference in every place that we are. So Jesus sees their faith and then says to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven you. So it's, a, it's an amazing moment where by looking at the faith of the four, Jesus blesses the one. I say this to, to groups all of the time when we take communion. You don't know what your faith brings to the table, even in communion. I think it's why Paul told them to wait for each other before they partake in communion, because there's power in the community of communion. As we partake together, I think there are people involved in the partaking that might believe for things I don't believe for. I'm not trying to be mystical or superstitious. I'm just, I'm really just watching my Savior here. Jesus sees the faith of these men and makes the the paralytic man the recipient of their faith. So I've taken communion in community before, and I'm not in a great mood, and I don't feel like doing it. But I know that there's power in the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus, and I believe in the faith of my family, my friends, those who are bringing their faith to the table where Paul's leaving his faith in the car or at home, or in his heart, or in my head. And so if Jesus could respond to their faith by, son, your sins are forgiven you, what might he do? That's the value of their faith. What might he do in your life with your faith? Because your faith affects your environment and the people around you. Verse 6, some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's a great question, and that's where I want to pick up tomorrow as we try to do a quick run through this story before the essay covers it entirely in two days. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.